Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb, and a special warm welcome to any guests or visitors joining us on this cool spring day that the Lord has granted to us. We've now come to the fourth Sunday in Lent, and just as we have that one Sunday in Advent where things lighten up a little bit, if you will, and there's a time of rejoicing in the middle of a penitential season, so we have a day for that in Lent, and that is this Sunday, Laetera Sunday, which means rejoice, and of course that is taken from uh, our introit and the first word there in the antiphon, rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad with her, all you who love her. So then I'll direct your attention to the inside of the back cover of the bulletin where we have a summary of our readings appointed for the day. The Lord provided bread from heaven for his people in the wilderness. Now he who is himself the living bread from heaven miraculously provides bread for the 5,000. This takes place near the time of the Passover, after a great multitude had followed Jesus across the sea, and when he went up on a mountain. Seen in this way, Jesus is our new and greater Moses, who releases us from the bondage of Mount Sinai and makes us free children of the promise. Five loaves become twelve baskets, that is, the five books of Moses find their goal and fulfillment in Christ, whose people continue steadfastly in the doctrine and fellowship of the twelve apostles and in the breaking and receiving of the bread of life, which is the body of Christ, together with his precious blood, and in the prayers. So it is that God's people shall not hunger or thirst, for he abundantly provides for us in both body and soul. And we will, of course, receive the very bread of life, Christ Jesus, as he comes to us in and under bread and wine this day, and in accord with his word and testament, we are to be unified in one confession as we come before the altar, not just to receive his body and blood, but also as a public confession of that faith that we share in common. And so according to his word, he bids us to be joined in that unity of confession as we receive him uh, here at, in, at his altar. Therefore, we do ask that all those joining us at the altar this day be members either of our congregation or of a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, joining in that one orthodox confession of the Christian faith. Our service this day is Divine Service Setting 3. As it begins on page 184, we now sing the first hymn. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, your mercies are new every morning, and though we deserve only punishment, you receive us as your children and provide for all our needs of body and soul. Grant that we may heartily acknowledge your merciful goodness, give thanks for all your benefits, and serve you in willing obedience. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for the fourth Sunday in Lent is from Exodus chapter 16. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening, 
you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine, flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from Galatians chapter 4. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the sixth chapter. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, 
which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him, because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii would not be enough bread, would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in that place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Dear saints in Christ Jesus, you know, when the times are good, it sure is easy to see God's provision and rejoice in it. I mean, after all, when times are good, everything that we see with our eyes, everything that we take in with our senses tells us that there is ample reason for rejoicing and for giving thanks to God. There's more than enough food on the table, in our pantries, and of course, in our bellies. We have a roof over our heads, clothes on our backs, car in the garage, money in the bank, it's all good. And when you look at your neighbors, they too bear the same evidence. They have smiling faces of contentment and satisfaction, and we give thanks, we rejoice, and we give glory to our Father who is in heaven, as is good, right, and salutary. However, it is when times are hard, when there is great difficulty in our lives, that we then find it difficult to give thanks and praise to God. In hard times, those same senses which told us everything was good in prior times now tell us that it's all bad, that we should despair and we should lament. There might be very little on your table, or in the pantry for that matter. Your belly grumbles and you join right along with it. The roof drips, the appliances aren't working correctly, clothes, they're worn out. Your bank account, well, it's empty. In the faces of your neighbors, they say the same. They're downcast, they're brooding, and they're angry. Instead of contentment, there are plenty of complaints. There are even furious outbursts and the tears that come with them. Instead of praise and thanksgiving, we doubt the Lord at times like this. His goodness, His provision, and His promises. At times like this, we join our voices to the chorus of the Old Testament Israelites that we heard just moments ago. Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now this may sound overly dramatic, but it's what Israel confessed. It would have been better if the Lord had just killed us in Egypt. 
At least in Egypt, we had meat and we had bread. Folks, that is more than just the sound of discontented, cranky, grumpy children. It's the sound of unbelief. To God's Old Testament people, wandering hungry in the wilderness, Egypt was the place that sounded to them like the promised land. Now, we might wonder why. Well, it's because Egypt was a known quantity. They knew what they had there. They knew what Egypt was. Never mind the fact that they were forgetting all of the unadulterated terror and all of the oppression that hard-hearted Pharaoh and his hosts visited upon them. Though the Lord had performed great signs and wonders in setting his people free, the parting of the Red Sea, the plagues, the Passover. The Israelites just looked at the circumstances that were right there in front of their face, and they completely forgot the Lord and the promised land that he was leading them to. However, if we're honest with ourselves, we do the same thing. But I'll come back to that in a moment. Looking to the gospel lesson, we see Christ Jesus leading those who followed him, a great crowd of 5,000 men. Now, that's not including women and children, so it's not wrong to picture this this crowd as large as 10,000, and some would even go farther. And that's not just because they're trying to be super pious, it's just the reality. This was an enormous crowd. So what was the problem? Well, St. John writes, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus put the situation to his disciples and he said, All right, men, feed the people. Well, the disciples did what we would do. They complained, they pouted, they grumbled, they got snarky, and they despaired. Now, the parallel accounts in the other Gospels of this tell us that this immense crowd, again, just trying to imagine, you know, 10,000 or so folks on, the, on a hillside in the countryside, that this immense crowd was out in a desolate place. It was near evening. There was much grass in that place, and St. John notes that it came close to the time of Passover. So then, how do you feed 10,000 people in the wilderness in the spring when the grass is growing, but not much else is there? No mere man could do it. And that, of course, is the point. Jesus knew what he would do. In the hands of the Lord of all creation, the five barley loaves and two fish which Andrew despaired of, well, that was more than enough. For Christ, the good shepherd, this task was as simple as settling his lambs around the table and asking his heavenly father to bless the meal before them. Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. Folks, what seemed like a crisis for Old Testament Israel was no crisis at all, for the Lord knew what he would do. And what seemed like a crisis for Jesus' disciples and the crowd there before them, well, was no crisis at all, for the Lord knew what he would do. It's no different with us today. Oh, we of little faith. Now, just a moment ago, I said I'd return to our doubt, and that time is now. 
It is true that some of you know the feeling of doubt and despair when you don't know where your next meal is coming from. There is no roof over your head and there's no money in the bank account either. However, most of us will never know what it is to be truly destitute, and thanks be to God for that. But, the fact is, but that fact does not keep your weak and sinful hearts from doubting the Lord, his goodness, his provision, his promises. Just as with Old Testament Israel, the devil lies until you forget the Lord and the promised land that he is leading you to. The devil's constantly trying to lure us into unbelief. Just as with Old Testament Israel, the devil continues his scheming, his plotting, and his lying. And so instead of rejoicing in the Lord's mercies, which are new every morning, you often despair of your circumstances. Now this is most clearly seen in the different vocations into which God has placed you. Husbands and wives, they fight with each other, each seeking their own way, their own best interest, and sometimes, heaven forbid it, even breaking the marriage bond. Children, they rebel against their parents, thinking that they know best, all the while wondering and complaining, why did God give me parents like this? At our times, or at our places of employment, we grumble and we complain about our work and about those who have oversight of us. Business owners, managers, supervisors, they also grumble and complain about their employees, saying, why can't these people just do their jobs? Why are they so lazy? Why do they complain? Have they no pride in their work? Even in the church, we often listen more carefully to the latest gossip or rumor that comes up around the coffee carafe than we do to God's word as it is read, taught, and preached to us. Behind every proof of the Lord's ongoing presence and provision in our lives, we are tempted by the devil to find cause to doubt or despair instead of rejoicing and giving thanks. As it turns out, we are no better than despairing Israel and Jesus' despairing disciples. O Lord, have mercy upon us. May your Holy Spirit grant us true repentance. But the good news is that God's abundant mercy is yours. All of God's repentant people receive his merciful pardon through Christ Jesus our Lord. It is in the giving, dying, and rising of Christ Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, that your sins are forgiven you. Even in the midst of Lenten tide, we have cause to rejoice. In fact, that is what this fourth Sunday in Lent, Terra, is all about. In the collect of the day, we prayed, your mercies are new every morning, and though we deserve only punishment, you receive us as your children and provide for all our needs of body and soul. In his great compassion, our Lord took on our flesh, our nature, and came to his fallen creation as one of us, providing for all of our needs of body and soul. Christ Jesus bore the burden of your sin to the cross and on the cross. He crushed the head of the evil serpent, Satan, and he so conquered sin and death. We rejoice, even in Lent, that our Lord is risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity because each of the Sundays in Lent is kind of like a miniature Easter. We rejoice that he has ascended to the right hand of the Father, that all power, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto him, and he reigns for our benefit. We rejoice that he continues to provide for us each and every day by his chosen means. As his forgiven and beloved children, we are being led by God to the promised land that he has prepared for us, a place that is beyond our ability to comprehend in terms of its goodness and purity and beauty. 
we must always remember that as mundane as it seems, as ordinary, even dare I say as boring as it seems, the Lord puts food on your tables. And he does it by means of farmers, truck drivers, railroad workers, food service workers, grocery store employees, even those restaurant cooks and servers, and the like. This is how the Lord gives you your daily bread. And of course, daily bread spans far beyond what goes into your belly. But think again of Israel in the wilderness. How impressive would it have been if the Lord would have sent his angelic army, the heavenly hosts, to feed Israel in the wilderness? Can you imagine that? Just picture it in your minds for a moment. Angels handing out plate after plate of heavenly delights. But that's not what the Lord did. Instead, the Lord provided a fine, flake-like thing called manna, which literally means, what is it? Though it seems so modest, even strange, it was no less a miracle of God. God feeding his children by his gracious hand. And when Jesus fed the 5,000, or as we know, probably closer to 10,000, he could have made the heavens rain down thousands of warm, fresh-baked loaves and the finest of meats on golden, gleaming platters. Instead, the scriptures tell us that there are five modest barley loaves and two fish. And with that, he provided enough for everyone to have their fill. That whole crowd being fed from the, whole, the land the hand of the Lord himself. Though it seemed unimpressive to human eyes, it was no less a miracle and a vast one at that. Dear saints in Christ Jesus, your Lord has delivered you from sin, death, and hell. And he did that as his beaten and bloodied body was nailed to a cross as the once for all time sacrifice for all sin. Now to human eyes, it just looks gruesome and pathetic. It looks sad. A poor Jewish man dying a terrible death. And yet, this is God in the flesh who defeated sin, death, and hell and saved you from the same. And if we're honest with ourselves, the Lord's chosen manner for delivering his blood-bought salvation to us, well, it looks just as unimpressive to human eyes. When you were baptized, your head was sprinkled with clean water in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And to human eyes, it looked so, well, dull, inconsequential. Anticlimactic. And yet, this is a miracle of God, like the calling of Lazarus from the tomb. In the absolution, the Lord delivers you complete pardon for your sins and trespasses, even salvation from Satan himself. And outwardly, well, it looks like a man in a white robe speaking some spiritual sounding words, but beheld by faith and received by faith and seen for what it truly is. It is Christ speaking through his holy office declaring you not guilty and setting you free from the bondage of sin. And last, but certainly not least, is the table which the Lord sets before you this day, the Holy Supper of our Lord's body and blood. What could be seen as a modest, even strange, Sunday morning snack surrounded by churchly ritual, it is the very table of our Lord Jesus Christ himself. He bids you come, take, eat, this is my body. Take, drink, all of you, this is my blood, given and shed for the forgiveness of your sins. This is none other than the feast of heaven, the bread of heaven, the wine of heaven, where the Lord feeds you himself from his very hand, his true body and blood. For in the Lord's Supper, the crucified and risen Christ comes to you as both host and feast, and he blesses you with himself, a foretaste of an even greater feast to come in the promised land. Thanks be to God. For his mercies are indeed new every morning in Christ Jesus.
And so, as you can see, dear saints, we have much to rejoice in today and always. In the midst of the ever-changing circumstances of life, in the midst of this ever-darkening world corrupted by sin, do not forget the Lord, for he has not forgotten you. His provision, his promises, his presence, they are yours. And he is among you in word and sacrament. You see, your good shepherd is leading you to his promised land, the paradise prepared for you and all who call on him in Holy Spirit-given faith. The Lord has given you gifts and blessings that are beyond measure, beyond comprehension. The greatest of those gifts is himself. We confess this in the sermon hymn. Hence all fear and sadness for the Lord of gladness, Jesus enters in. Those who love the Father, though the storms may gather, still have peace within. Yea, whate'er I here must bear, thou art still my purest pleasure. Jesus, priceless treasure. And so may the Holy Spirit keep us ever in the mercy and grace of Christ Jesus our Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, watch and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord For confidence in the gift of baptism, that it would unite us evermore in the death and resurrection of Christ, and that we would continue together in its comfort and power, let us pray to the Lord. Lord For all pastors, that they would serve their people devoutly and feed them with the bread of life, and for all congregations in their care, that they would receive this faithful service with thankful hearts, let us pray to the Lord. For the families of the church, those blessed with children, and those yet without, that they may treasure together their heavenly inheritance, let us pray to the Lord. Lord For all authorities, especially parents and the civil servants of our nation, that God would strengthen homes and keep families firm in the Christian faith, and that he would preserve our nation from wickedness and uphold order and justice for a peaceful life, let us pray to the Lord. that God's heavenly care would extend to each of his children, and especially to John Brenneman, Vanessa Burmester, Charlotte Locke, Richard Phillips, Ron Lyon, Bob Rash, Erlene Lakey, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, that they may rejoice in the sustaining and healing grace. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, For those who mourn the death of loved ones, that the resurrection of Christ would grant comfort and peace to all his baptized children, let us pray to the Lord. For the bread of heaven, which does not decay after one day, but abides with us forever, and that Christ would sustain us through the wilderness of this world to life everlasting, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Heavenly Father, your Son multiplied bread and fish for thousands, showing himself to be the creator and giver of every good gift. Multiply the gifts of body and soul you provide from your gracious hand, and cause us to receive your benefits with thanksgiving. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Again, welcome and good morning on this beautiful spring day which the Lord has made for us. And just a handful of announcements before we continue with our morning. Of course, Sunday school and Bible study immediately following worship. Uh, tomorrow at 1.30 in the afternoon, we do have our Esther Bible study. So ladies, please take note of that and attend as you are able. 
And also, uh, Easter cards are now available in the library on the card rack. Please contact Louise Brown if you do have any questions about that. And also a reminder about the upcoming cookbook. The full announcement is there in the bulletin. I'll commend that to you. But just remember to, uh, if you'd like to participate, pick up one of those recipe sheets on the glass case and then uh, return it to a member of uh, the, uh, the committee that is in charge of this. And if you can't find anyone else, just contact Erin. She'd be happy to collect those forms for you also. Uh, the goal is the... Uh, I have the cookbooks ready by this fall. So, so I'm trying to find the date. There was a date by which I wanted to have this by uh, April. Well, it's actually, it's, it's 19th, right? Not 9th? 9th. 9th? 9th. Okay, by Easter, yes. Thank you. All right. Uh, and then also, uh, we do continue to have our Lenten meals throughout the week. Ladies, thank you for your loving service in that. If you'd like to volunteer to help out, the names are listed there in the bulletin for the given meals as they continue through the last two weeks of Lent uh, coming up. Anything that I may have missed? All right, seeing nothing, God's peace be with you. Having been fed with the bread of life, go forth in joy and love and serve thy neighbor and continue to rest in Christ the Lord. I'll greet you at the door.